Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Buckle up, everyone. All good martinis today. Good, good, and good across the board. We also want to let you know that you can now get us on your, as we said last week, your NSA-approved surveillance device, but it's uh, your home speaking device, your Alexa, your Google Home. Just tell it to play the Three Martini Lunch podcast, and it will do so at your command. Uh, Also, if you like us, uh, do us a nice review on uh, iTunes. That'll help us out a lot. Uh, Jim, let's jump to our first good martini, NBC News. Oregon Senator Jeff Merkley, who everyone knows, will not seek the Democratic presidential nomination in 2020, telling NBC News that he believes he can best fight for the issues most important for him by staying in the Senate. Quote, I've never been afraid of a tough battle, Merkley said in a 45-minute interview Monday evening in his Senate hideaway office, acknowledging the long odds that he would have faced in a crowded field. Quote, the question I've asked myself is, can I be more effective in making a difference on those being in the 2020 primary or by being in the Senate? The 62-year-old Merkley was going to run in 2020 no matter what, either in a crowded Democratic field for president or for re-election to serve a third term in the Senate. So, Jim, two good pieces of good news here. First of all, Jeff Merkley is pretty much a dyed-in-the-world liberal, so he would not make a good president. Secondly, uh, he's self-aware enough, unlike a lot of other Democrats on the national stage, to realize he's probably not going to win. So why bother? So, good news. Yeah, I, I would really love to take a picture of Jeff Merkley and Ron Wyden, the other senator from Oregon, <laughs> both Democrats, both pretty, uh, pretty much on the liberal side, and just show them to people around the country and say, which one is which? <laughs> uh, and, you know, Wyden had a little bit more of a higher profile with some of the NSA hearings and, and you know, issues of privacy and things like that. But beyond that, these are two pretty much dyed-in-the-wool, deep blue state guys. And although it's worth noting that if you look at the politics of Oregon, um, Multnomah County, which is basically where Portland is, has, you know, it's extraordinarily deep blue. And the rest of the, ca- the state is actually pretty red, uh, fairly Republican leaning, obviously much more rural. And as a result of that, um, you end up with a lot fewer uh, votes on the right side and you end up with, you know, all the hipsters getting to elect the senators. It's um, again, w- why is this good? Uh, this was besides the fact that this means there's one more pre- person I don't need to write a 20 things list about. <laughs> it also means that, uh, look, there are a lot of narcissists in our politics. There, I, you might argue it takes a certain amount of ego to choose to run for office, whether it's, you know, uh, local school board, city council, all the way up to wanting to run for president of the United States. And as a result of that, you get a lot of narcissists, you get a lot of egomaniacs, you get a lot of people who basically believe that, you know, their you-know-what doesn't stink and everything they do is terrific. And, you know, history is calling them, Greg, you know. Um, they want to serve America. And the very best way that they can think of serving America is by running the place. Um, <laughs> But, but so when somebody says, hey, wait a minute, I'm a legislator. I've spent my life legislating. 
I think I'm going to stick to this. I kind of want to say boy, even if I completely disagree with the person's uh, politics and philosophies and attitudes towards all that, because there's a certain sense of, you know, our, our system, we do have a separation of powers in this country and the legislature matters. The Senate matters. The House matters. You'd like to have some good folks in there. This is, you know, about, that's about as nice as I think thing I can say about, uh, about Merkley here. You know, Greg, uh, those of us on the right have been complaining about the imperial presidency for a while, even when it's somebody we like. Um, the idea that the president's not supposed to rewrite federal law on the on the fly. And you think about the sheer amount of attention that the president gets day in and day out. This is not really what the founders had in mind. Um, the, the president of the United States was really supposed to be kind of more of an administrator, and the important debates were supposed to be going on in Congress. And uh, there's kind of this, you know, dangerous, you know, direction of a cult of personality and this idea of putting all of our focus on the executive leader of the country and the great man, the man on a horse, the next, the American editor, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, when somebody says, hey, you know what, legislating matters too, and I'm going to stay there, I say good for you. Uh, and also, you know, thankfully, um, someone somewhere suddenly realized that they could not, you know, they were not likely to succeed in this. It's been a banner year for this, or a banner week for this, uh, uh, Greg, because we've got this, we got Eric Holder, uh, and another one who will hint in our third martini. Yeah, which has nothing That's to do. That's foreshadowing, folks. Yes, exactly. And that one has nothing to do with a lack of narcissism. Uh, Jim, uh, uh, just a fun exercise. If you're looking for something to, to do today, just to have fun with your neighbors, uh, go into the grocery store or whatever, just come up to them with a really intense look on your face and say, can you believe Jeff Merkley's not running for president? And see what their reaction is. Can you believe Jeff Merkley's decision? <laughs> see if they know what he decided. <laughs> and or who he is and why it matters if it matters at all all right well let's talk about some more good news and that's four patriots where you can find them at fourpatriots.com slash martini and find all the great deals including getting a free solar panel with the purchase of the patriot power generator 2000x as we always say with four patriots you need to be prepared because you just don't know when the power is going to go out the patriot power generator 2000x worth its weight in gold because it has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run all the big appliances like your fridge, your freezer, and medical devices. comes with 12 outlets, including 4 AC, plus 2 USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Never needs gas, thanks to that solar panel. Fume-free, silent, and safe. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Visit 4Patriots.com martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com slash martini. That's 4patriots.com slash martini. Let's move on to our second good martini now, Jim. And a lot of times we react to events like we just did, and we think that's good for conservatives. Sometimes we react to uh, the explanation of ideas and principles that just make you feel like you've breathed in a, a great big breath of pure mountain air. And that's what we have uh, here in our second good martini. Our friend Dan Crenshaw, uh, the congressman from Texas, freshman, got a lot of attention because he was attacked for his eye patch on Saturday Night Live and then forgave Pete Davidson in, in one of the, the best political moments in a very long time. Well, now he's a member of Congress and he's a member of the House Budget Committee. And the Budget Committee is looking to crank up corporate taxes again. And so Dan Crenshaw decided to talk about what a difference those corporate tax cuts have already made in Texas. He talked about bonuses. He talked about lower energy rates. I uh, talked about a lot of different ways that companies have benefited their employees 
employees uh, and their customers as a result of lower corporate taxes. But he didn't stop there. In fact, he focused on the point of taxation and the point of government. Dan Crenshaw, take it away. I always want to remind everyone what we're really here talking about. We're talking about a difference in philosophy, not just tax rates. It's a question of whether the government should be taking more of your money or whether you should keep more of your money. It's a difference in the role of government and what we believe. It seems to me that you all believe that the role of government is to tax the people as much as possible so that you and your benevolent fellow academics can dream up more programs for, to, for the government to spend money on. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's what the role of government is for. The role of government is to protect the God-given rights that we have and to ensure that we live as free as possible. The role of government is to tax people to the least extent possible while still taxing them enough to, to, to cover basic needs for government. And if we're questioning what those needs are, we can just look at our Constitution. They're generally pretty clear there. Jim, that was just beautiful. It's succinctly said. It was simply said. It was very clear. And in an era when we're getting the Green New Deal shoved down our throat, it's more uh, valuable than ever. I want Dan Crenshaw distilled into some sort of liquid essence and injected into my veins, Greg. <laughs> if Dan Crenshaw were an Ill- was an illegal substance, I would be an addict right now. No, um, just for, you know, clearly the shining star of the, uh, the 2018 class of Republicans who were elected. But as he, as he you know, explains things so clearly, so succinctly, I, I'm struck by the fact, you know, one of the things you notice when you see people in politics and they're trying to get attention is the easiness with which they stir into high dudgeon. You know, our, our country is under attack, our values under they pound the table and they everything's great drama and they, they turn it up to 11. And, you know, there's this kind of desperation that if they don't grab the audience's attention and keep the audience's attention with this, this you know, sustained sense of, uh, you know, that they'll lose the audience, that they, that they might be boring. Nothing about Dan Crenshaw is boring, but at the same time, he's not pounding the table and frothing at the mouth and, and, and any of that. Um, I almost kind of wonder if it's a little bit of a, only a Nixon could go to China. You, if you're Dan Crenshaw and you're a decorated war veteran and, and multiple tours and, and obviously, can, you know, you know the story of the eye patch and all that, he doesn't need to prove his toughness. He doesn't need to prove that he's a fighter for what he believes in. It's all there. It's already established. And thus, because he doesn't need to prove himself in any shape, he could just lay out his arguments, and he does it very, very well. So, uh, yeah. So, look, you know, more Dan Crenshaw, please, uh, and and just you know, a recognition that I, I'd like to think this style works, and and the you know, kind of hyperbolic uh, tone of of some of the other folks who jump into politics isn't always needed. That this can you know, sometimes less is more. Uh, and Dan Crenshaw just, you know, again, very quickly turning into one of the most uh, effective communicators in the GOP. Yeah, I don't want to dump a bucket of cold water on what's a really good martini, but why is he so rare on the right? Why don't we have more people who can articulate this fairly simple concept and concepts like it uh, as well and as simply as he can? Is it because they, they feel like they have to pound the table to prove it or is there more to it? You're opening up a can <laughs> of worms here, Greg. Here's the really short version. I love talk radio. God bless everybody in talk radio. Folks in talk radio have been great to me. Um, but it's worth noting, though, talk radio comes out of radio, which is a form of media, which is also a form of entertainment. Um, most of the folks who go into and are successful in talk radio understand that a portion of the job is entertainment. Now, all the folks who have, you know, Rush Limbaugh pretty much invented the genre, right? You're going back to the late 80s, uh, all these little in-jokes. And, you know, for those of you in Yorba Linda, I'll speak slowly, all that kind of stuff. And so... A lot of folks who went into talk radio, I would argue, 
tried to do Rush Limbaugh's shtick, but they didn't do it quite as well. And if you ever listen to some talk radio hosts, they like to say Rush and I, Rush and I are the only ones standing up for this. Rush, you know, you know, there's a lot of people who want to be him, but who don't have the ability to be him. Who don't have that natural, innate talent, charisma, ability to think on the fly, interact with callers, you know, just to be the natural personality to make it as inherently entertaining as it is. So they have to, so they have to force it. They have to push it. They have to do that. And I remember hearing from someone who had done some radio and some writing and some other stuff say, I believe it was the beginning of the Obama administration. And, and the argument was, you don't understand at this moment, every issue is an important issue. Uh, and I was like, well, if every issue is an important issue, then no issue is an important <laughs> right. issue. You have to prioritize. You have to decide what is that. And this was how, why, you know, every issue was turned up to 11. The, the tone, the drama, you know, this is, this is the future of our country at stake. Coupled with the fact that I suspect there are a decent number of people in the movement who uh, are into politics, who are into the idea of joining the team, who are into the idea of the excitement, the enthusiasm, uh, pageantry, the, the sense of belonging to something bigger themselves. But they don't want to do the homework. Uh, you know, the Heritage Foundation white papers, look, policy is not always exciting. It's not always going to be thrilling and entertaining. And you find yourself looking over charts of economic numbers. And folks, policymaking involves a lot of math often. <laughs> And, you know, you're talking to a guy who went into journalism, so he wouldn't have to do that much math. But lo and behold, it's actually in there. Um, so, you know, the, the, the policy wonk stuff is, is not always the most thrilling. I'd argue it's really important. I think we may, you know, we might neglect that a bit too much every now and then. Um, but my suspicion is, is that because people are afraid of, of losing the audience through boredom, they never cultivate the interest in it. They never, never cultivate the, the knowledge, the, the passion, the drive, all that kind of stuff. And they end up doing shtick. And uh, I, I could be, you know, I'm sure there are listeners out there who will disagree. But I think you look at the rising ranks of Republicans and a lot of Republican candidates out there, the shtick to substance ratio uh, is not where you'd like to see it. Depressing, but very well articulated. Thank you for, for elucidating on that. Yeah, so that's why, Greg. So, <laughs> hey, at least it's Friday. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. We talked about already that Jeff Merkley is not running. We've talked about yesterday how Eric Holder is not running. Other people have made the decision not to run, but a whole lot more have decided that uh, it is their turn. Uh, but one more has made it official. She's not going to run because she's 0 for 2, and 0 for 3 would just be unnecessary. Here's uh, News 12 in Westchester, New York. While she certainly hinted at the answer before, for the first time on camera, Clinton officially put all rumors to rest and closed the door on a third White House run. I'm not running, but I'm going to keep uh, working and speaking and standing up for what I believe. Jim, it finally happened. There will be no Clinton running for president in 2020, and you have to think she's never going to run again. The day finally came. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, this is how the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. <laughs> uh, this is how the Clinton era ends, that there were, you know, look, most people figured ever since her her walks through, through the Chappaqua woods uh, that she was not going to run again. But every once in a while, you'd hear some speculation, some rumors up in New York, things like that. My, my, my thinking was that it may have been the Clintons, hangers on, the staffers, the folks who had basically spent their careers with the Clintons. 
and who kind of didn't want to acknowledge the possibility that it could be over. Um, also, let's not you know ignore all the donors who donated all the years and then thought that by being friends of Bill and then friends of Hillary and donating to the various campaigns and the Clinton Foundation and all of that, that they were getting a friend in the Oval Office and that good things were going to flow out of that. And lo and behold, in 2016, it turned out to not. You, you had given a lot of money to and made friends with a former senator and secretary of state. And so it's kind of fascinating. I mean, I, I was thinking about this. I was talking about this in the context of uh, Sherrod Brown, the Ohio senator. You know, Clinton got elected in 92. Uh, that's, you know, when Hillary came on the, uh, on the scene. I was a senior in high school back then. Yes, you can do the math and figure out how old I am. And uh, this is it. The Clintons are now kind of riding off into the sunset. Many of us had hoped they were going to ride off to the sunset a lot longer than this. Um, but you talk about a defining couple of the era. This is it. Um, and it's interesting. You know, we, as much as we have a lot of grievances with the, uh, the Clintons, uh, it'll be fascinating to see which direction the Democratic Party goes in. And I think it's safe to say that, you know, um, certainly Bill Clinton was a force for centrism at various times in the Democratic Party. Not always. And, and you know, in a lot of ways, it still irked a lot of folks on the right. But uh, um, kind of interesting that they were they were the counterweight. And this is definitely the ending of one chapter and the beginning of another. We'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, happy trails, Hillary Clinton. I, I think you've you know, I think you're going to be OK. Well, the early returns show a massive lurch to the left, but uh, we'll see how it goes from here. It might depend on how the Democrats do in this next election. So, Jim, as we turn this page in uh, political history, we'll reconvene for tomorrow. Talk to you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. And don't forget to tune in again on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.